Welcome back to another episode of the Next Level Minds podcast. My name is Chris Chapman, and I am your host. And for those of you who are tuning in for the first time, this is a podcast dedicated to those who want to reach a next level in their business, personal, or career life. Every other week, I'm blessed to sit down with a fully qualified entrepreneur, content creator, or mover and shaker in their industry and walk through their story of how they have gotten from point A to point B and overcame various adversities along the way. Now, before we dive into this week's episode, I want to reiterate my main goal, which is to impact over 1 million people by helping them reach a next level in their business, personal, or career life. So if you have not done this already, share this episode with a family member, friend, or colleague. Be sure to subscribe to Next Level Minds on Apple Podcasts so you can get updates on the latest episodes. And if you're really feeling special, make a review of Next Level Minds on Apple Podcast, as this show will continue to rank higher and higher uh, under the business category. Now on to today's guest. I am sitting down with Chris Moxley, who is a Charlotte native, a Forbes featured entrepreneur, a philanthropist, a board chair, a fashion enthusiast, and the owner of 704 Shop in Charlotte, North Carolina. Super excited to dive in and chat with him because he truly has what it takes to start, build, and grow a small business. Um, So we're definitely going to get in the weeds on today's episode about small business and the importance of it and really how he shifted from corporate life to entrepreneur life. So if starting a business is something that you ultimately want to do one day, or if you are currently a business owner, this episode is definitely for you. And other than that, as we like to say here at Next Level Minds, your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success. Chris, thanks so much for hopping on the Next Level Minds podcast, man. Super happy to be here, Chris, man. Thanks for having me, brother. Yeah. Dude, when, I, when I first met you, um, which is actually not too long ago, it was like a month, um, you just seemed like a super positive dude. Um, and you know, a lot of people were just talking to you, um, which I love that, man. I love seeing people like across the room, just super excited to be there. Um, so I just kind of wanted to mention that before we got started. No, I appreciate the compliment. Uh you know, I definitely try to work, you know, work the room and, uh, you know, meet some meet some interesting people um, at the Charlotte Regional Business Alliance um, Investor Quarterly Reception. I think that's where we met yep. um, out, of, out, of, out at the uh, the airport uh, here in Charlotte, Charlotte uh, Douglas International Airport. So happy that they were able to host us. Um, we have a lot of great leaders out there, business professionals. So it's it's always a good time. Right. Just in terms of getting connected, uh, business connectivity here in the city. So. Happy, happy that we were able to uh, get connected. Yeah, and, and I, that's why I love those events, man. You just never know who you're going to run, run into, a past colleague, a future business relationship. I mean, I think more and more people should just start getting out more of those things. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. We're, we're trying to expand the tent. So, you yeah. know, for folks that, that are interested, definitely uh, check out the charlotteregion.com. Uh, and uh, and we'll, we'll, you know, we're happy to have folks out. For sure, man. So um, I, I kind of want to touch on your, your background a little bit. I know one thing that you mentioned when we talked on email um, was that you have a scholarship um, that actually uh, is there for kids that grew up in public housing, which I definitely want to touch on that in a bit. But 
I'm just curious, like, did, did anything happen in your background that, that kind of got you to have a heart for, for helping those kids out and stuff? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, just in terms of context, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a native Charlottean, right? So I grew mm -hmm. up right here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, you know, um, I'm a, re I'm a former resident and grew up in public housing myself. Um, so we moved to a community here in Charlotte called Dillahay Courts, which is a public housing community um, the summer before my sixth grade year. Um, so we lived in this community kind of all the way through my middle school years um, and in uh, and, and high school years. And, um, you know, so I think, you know, that that obviously shapes your experience. It shapes your, you know, kind of who you come to be right as a human, as an adult. Um, and so, you know, I've always had a, a passion for giving back to the community, right? Even before, um, you know, you really had any serious financial means, um, but just giving of your time and your talent and going back into the community to, uh, you know, a whole host of things, right? So I've, I've done food drives and we did that for a number of years. Um, to, you know, uh, basically provide food and, and, and gift cards, uh, grocery store gift cards to families during the Thanksgiving holidays, um, you know, and so I've, I've, I've just always been really, really, really huge um, on giving back. And, um, you know, the scholarship was just kind of like my latest iteration um, of giving back. Um, you know, I have... Um, one scholarship at at uh, the University of North Carolina at Charlotte, where I gra uh, where I went to school and where I graduated from, and um, that particular scholarship I named it after my son uh, Jalen, so it's called the Jalen C. Moxley Scholarship for Academic Excellence. Um, it's geared towards uh, students, as you mentioned, that um, either you know have a background or grew up in uh, public or subsidized housing. It's definitely a needs based scholarship. Um, and it's for incoming freshmen. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm also happy, you know, I'm proud of the fact that, you know, my business partners decided to step up and join me along, you know, kind of in this journey of, of giving back to uh, underprivileged students. So we also have a 704 shop, um, scholarship at UNC Charlotte as well. That's also need based, uh, needs based. That's also for incoming freshmen, uh, that have experienced. Uh, expressed an interest in apparel manufacturing or design. Um, and so, so many cases, these uh, students, you know, they have these skills around, um, you know, Photoshop or Illustrator and, and you know, all of the, the Adobe Suites, you know, products. Um, and in so many cases, like they're not really thinking about what they can do with those skills in terms of like building a business, building a brand. Um, you don't necessarily have to go into teaching um, and so on and so forth, right? So it's really just trying to to uh, give them the runway to uh, understand what their options are. And that's why it's branded um, the 704 Shop Scholarship yeah. for Creatives, right? So it's kind of like a nod to our brand to get those kids thinking about the fact that you can do something bigger with your skill set and actually build a business. Yeah, no, that, I love that you mentioned that because there's so many talented people out there from all walks of life, but you know, some of them don't have the... Uh, resources or even just the knowledge to get their own business started. But it's like, if they had the resources and had the knowledge, they could probably build a, a very successful, you know, you name it, like a design firm, a 
HVAC company and, uh, an apparel company. I mean, there's so many opportunities out there to start a business right now, especially in 2023. Yeah, no doubt. And it's, I think the most important thing is just to give them examples to look at. Yeah. You know, most of the time, if you, you don't know what you can be, if you've never, if you've never seen it. Um, and so we were very intentional about branding it with our business name. Um, you know, it's not really about marketing for the business in terms of that thing. Um, yeah. It's more so about getting the students to say, oh, man, you know what? I never thought about the fact that um, because I, you know, have these skills, like I can do something else. Right. And 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 these these guys, meaning myself, my business partner, uh, Scott Wooten and my uh, other business partner, J uh, Jerry Shepard. Um, you know, that's that's where the three of us met at UNC Charlotte. And so, you know, it's 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 really just about highlighting a tangible example um, that they can follow. Like if they did it, you know, I can do it. Yeah. D did you have somebody in your life that kind of led the way like that from a mentorship perspective? Um, yes, I've, I've had several mentors. Um, you know, I've been blessed to have, you know, a couple mentors in my life. Um, none that were, you know, um, you know, uh, business owners or like, you know what I mean? That really kind of said, Hey, Chris, you know, you can start your own business. Um, but all that were instrumental just in terms of like pouring into me and my personal mm -hmm. development. Um, you know, I would, I, I would name three, uh, mentors that, that, that have been really, you know, instrumental in my life. The first was my, my, uh, high school history teacher, um, Mr. Milton Caldwell really pushed me, was the first one in my life to, um, to get me to understand that, like, I didn't have to. I didn't have to fit in with the popular crowd. I could just be me, right? Like I was a smart, you know, kind of high achieving, um, you know, black student in a very kind of, um, uh, you know, I would say, you know, white program at the time, right? Um, you know, when I was in the IB program, uh, which is kind of like, you know, AG, you've got AP, then you've got the IB program. Uh, so very, very, you know, very, very smart kids in this program. Not a lot of black males in that program. Um, in fact, in my class for the IB program at Harding University High School, I was class of 98. There were two black males in that program, uh, myself and another gentleman. Um, and then he ended up actually getting out of the program, um, you know, at some point, I think during our, our 12th grade year. And so I was the lone one. Um, and that would continue to be the case um, in so many areas of my life where you end up just being kind of like, you know, you're you're the representation, right? You're the only one um, we had. We had there's always more black females um, in these in these rooms, in these levels academically than there are black males. And um, and that's something that, you know, we have to work on. Right. Um, you know, in, just in terms of in terms of support. Um, but Mr. Caldwell was was always my anchor. You know, he pushed me. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, when I when I got to to college, um, you know, when I was at UNC Charlotte, the dean of the business honors uh, program at the time, Dr. Uh, Dr. Jack Hogue, um, took an interest in me. Um, this was the first time Now, Mr. Caldwell was a black male. He looked like me. We were both you know, tall, skinny guys. So we kind of had like the, we yeah. had the build thing going on. Um, Dr. Hogue, you know, did not look like me, right? He was a white male that just took an interest in me um, and my academic performance because, you know, I didn't fit the, 
I guess I didn't fit the mold, right? Like I, I was, I kind of stuck out like a sore thumb, mm. having transferred from Chapel Hill, where I attended uh, UNC Chapel Hill my freshman year. Um, decided not to uh, go back to Chapel Hill my sophomore year. I entered UNC Charlotte and was really on a tear academically because I was just so focused and you know um, trying to minimize my distractions. And, and it was kind of like all books all the time, all grades. Yeah. And so my grades were really, really good. Um, and but I had not been recruited by the university from an academic standpoint. So it was kind of like, who is this kid that's, you know, really doing well in the business courses and this and that? Has anybody talked to him? What's his story? Um, and nobody had. And so Dr. Hogue kind of took it upon himself to, you know, build a relationship with me uh, again, really critical being that I didn't have you know, that support system on campus. Uh, uh, I didn't have a community because I was a transfer student um, and I hadn't gone through some of the traditional kind of, um, I would say, uh, programs that are on campus for, uh, you know, that that you might get introduced to as a freshman. Right. Um, I was kind of out of the loop on, on all of that stuff. And so it was really critical, uh, really important and really meaningful to me that he took a personal relationship, you know, or, uh, excuse me, took it upon himself to build a personal relationship uh, with me and make sure that I felt comfortable and that I had the resources to be successful and continue to be myself. Um, and then now before I got to college, uh, I had met um, another gentleman by the name of, of uh, uh, Wilbert Harper, uh, who's uh, continue to be a, is a, is a mentor uh, to me to this day. Uh, and uh, I met Wilbert uh, actually through you know, I used to do a lot of interns, uh, internships um, when I was in uh, high school and college. And um, Wilbur at the time was working with BB&T and I would ultimately end up interning with BB&T and I worked for him and then wasn't working for him. We stayed close. Uh, we're, you know, we're still close to this day. We've traveled together like I'm at his, you know, I visit him a lot um, cool. and so on and so forth. And Wilbur's thing has always been just to check on me. And make sure that I'm good to go, you know, yeah. um, as, as a human, like, what do you need? Are you OK? Um, and so, you know, I've been blessed to have different mentors at different stages of my life um, that's kind of helped shape me to be who I am today. Yeah, I, I like that you broke them all down because I think all three of them come from a, a variety of different perspectives uh, and backgrounds. Um, I, I got a question for you on that. And then I want to touch yeah. on some some seminar four shop stuff. But uh, I was just talking to somebody the other day. Um, and they grew up in, in similar circumstances that that you alluded to earlier. Um, and, and we were talking about like belief systems and, and success. And they were like, you know, like, I just don't think I'm meant for it just because of the way that, that I was I was raised and the way that I grew up. Um, so if there's anybody out there listening that that maybe, you know, doesn't believe in themselves that they can kind of achieve success, whatever that means for them. I mean, do you have any just kind of advice that you would share with them? Um, absolutely. You know, I. I I'm a firm believer that um, that, you know, God gives, you know, I would say, you know, whatever your belief system is. Right. We all have a, we all have talents that are deep within us. Um, it takes courage and support to kind of tap into that a lot of times mm. um, and support. And what I've learned as an adult, you know, I didn't know this when I was when I was younger. But, you know, kids that come from um, adverse backgrounds or, you know, uh, low income, especially 
we suffer from imposter syndrome at rates that are higher than our peers. Mm. Um, because, you know, in many cases, it's like, you know, we don't, we, we don't have all of the same resources and the same support. And so for those of us that, that find a way to still excel, especially academically, uh, we feel like we are only in the room because we worked hard, you know, not because we're smart, but because we work hard. Yeah. And so and so that becomes this kind of self kind of perpetuating thing where it's like you always have to work hard. You're always trying to outwork the next person. Um, you're trying, you know, once you get out of school, you know, how does that play out in the workplace? It's you're trying to be the first one in the office and the last one to leave um, and this kind of thing. And so you struggle with uh, with work life balance because you're you're constantly trying to just, you know, outwork the next person. Um, and so it becomes this kind of like toxic cycle when the reality is that the fact that we overcame such adverse uh, backgrounds and, and, and environments um, and still had the same grades as everybody else. Right. Or better. Um, that's demonstration alone right there that it's like it's like you you had the talent. Um, it wasn't a matter of your aptitude. Right. So you always had the aptitude. It's 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 hard for us to kind of like latch on to that again, because yeah. we're constantly telling ourselves we're not good enough and this and that. So, you know, what I would just say to, to anybody that's kind of going through something like that, or you come from a background similar to ours, um, is that you do have the talent, um, work smarter, obviously, uh, you know, as, as the mantra says, you know, work smart, not hard. Yeah. Um, but, but when you have to work hard too, Right? right. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But but just know that you're enough. Right. Um, but always surround yourself with people who are going to breathe life into you um, as opposed to doubt you, because uh, mm -hmm. we have enough doubt. Right. All of us, we have enough self-doubt um, in ourselves already. So the best thing we can do is try to is, is to try to surround ourselves with people that are going to uplift us, um, give us praise, challenge us when we need to push us when that's needed as well, um, just to kind of keep make sure that we're staying grounded and, 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 and support it. Yeah, man. I, I really appreciate you mentioning that, especially the the whole surrounding yourself. I mean, you've heard it before. You're, you're the average of the five people that, that you surround yourself with, uh, which, which definitely bodes true in a lot of things there. Um, right. So I know you spent, you spent 15 years at uh, TIAA, um, which I know they're a great company around here in Charlotte. Um, but then I was looking at 704 shop and when that started, um, and I was yep. like, okay, it said on LinkedIn, at least that you opened 704 shop in 2013, but then you, were you also at, at TIA during that time? That's right. Yeah. So okay. yeah, I started, I started at TIAA in uh, November of 2005 in the call center. Um, and, you know, I had been, I had spent several years in the call center and then I think I had moved to our customer care team, which is kind of like our complaint resolution, right. Area. Um, and along the way, while at TIAA, we started uh, 704 Shop, as you mentioned, in 2013. So, um, yeah, man, it's it, it you know it was a it was a side a side gig, right? You know, like like most things are for a lot of people, uh, quote unquote side hustle um, that now we've built into you know what is now my full time opportunity. So happy yeah. happy about that. Well. Uh, so was it an e-commerce model at, at the start or did you like drive to the store right after? What was that like? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely not. Um, humble beginnings for, for the business, right? Um, 
you know, we were, you know, for two years, you know, I always like to tell people, you know, we joke about it now, but, you know, uh, we, in those first two years, 2013 to 2015, it was like, you know, we couldn't give a shirt away. Um, <laughs> right. It was, <laughs> it was, uh, you know, because people didn't, you know, it's a new concept. It's, you know, it's, there's, there's no, there's no brand at that time set up for hometown pride and streetwear and like kind of what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, it was this uh this this obscure mark right in terms of our our logo and people would look at it and it's like well what is that you don't see the 704 in it like people kind of get it now yeah uh, you're doing a lot of explaining to people about what it is that you're trying to do and how you want to purport your business and um but yeah i mean we were we were online only uh basically for 4 years from 2013 to 2017 um, you know, we, we opened our storefront in, uh, in historic South end, which is kind of like this, this great destination, uh, retail and, and office destination now, uh, in Charlotte, one of the fastest growing areas in the city, especially for young professionals. Um, but when we opened in December of 2017, like we were very early to what is now kind of like this, this bustling kind of like, um, you know, neighborhood or whatever the case um, and so, but along the way, before we got the storefront, the way we really built our business was really through grassroots, you know, hustle, uh, and, and doing pop-ups and small events, mm. you know, um, and we really got aggressive with that around, you know, uh, early 2015, early to mid 2015 is when we just really started going on a tear of, you know, doing pop-ups consistently, uh, almost every other weekend, sometimes during the week, you know, if it was a small event, um, it was kind of, you know, take no prisoners. Right. Like because, you know, at that time it was it was really difficult to try to drive traffic. Uh, you know, if you're an online if you're an online only business, the only way you're going to make money is to drive traffic to your website. So you got to figure out, OK, how are you going to do that? Um, either a you're going to spend a lot of money in marketing, which we didn't have, mm. or, or B, you're going to try to leverage social media and just, you know, friends and family. Um, and at this time, this was kind of like the nascent stages of, you know, early kind of Facebook, right? So it's like, you know, we're asking people to, you know, like, share, repost, all this kind of stuff. And um, and that's that's slow. Um, you know, it's really hard to try to, to, to gain support and following beyond friends and family. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, fortunately we have great friends um, and, you know, they'll help us post and stuff like that and like post the products and stuff like that on their social media and this and that, but that's not how you grow and scale. Right. Um, it wasn't really until um, Katie Levins, you know, who was one of the co-founders of um, what is now Axios uh, yeah. Charlotte, but at the time it was um, Charlotte agenda. Um, so the old Charlotte Agenda, Big Microphone, they were a spinoff really of, uh, you know, the Charlotte Observer. Both, you know, both her and Ted worked at the Charlotte Observer, which is a prominent newspaper here in Charlotte. They had stepped out, started their own thing and um, had had garnered a lot of success with it. Um, as a result of the success of the Charlotte Agenda, you know, Katie had uh, a pretty substantial following on her personal Twitter and she had gotten connected to our business through 
um, you know, Matt Moore and Matt Hooker, who are some of the biggest uh, muralists here in Charlotte still to this day, but in, but were kind of early in that stage uh, at that time. And, uh, you know, Matt had one of the Matt's has a real good relationship with my business partner, Scott, uh, who's our chief des- chief creator and designer. And, you know, Matt had one of our hats on in a in a post that he did uh, highlighting, I think, the mural that he did on The Local, which is one of the bars in uptown Charlotte. And Katie was doing a blog post on, you know, like the five Charlotte brands you should know about. Right. And she posted um, about this, our first uh, logo snapback. Um, And it just a black snapback that had our white logo embroidered on it. And uh, so many people saw that blog post and were like, oh, like, that's cool. And so, you know, we started getting a lot of traffic to the site. We started getting a lot of sales. We didn't even know that where the sales were coming from, to be honest with you, Chris. Like, we didn't know that that that, that Twitter post or that blog post was out there. Um, and so you start seeing these sales come in on your website and you're like, well, wait a minute. Like, yeah. what what happened? We didn't drive this. We didn't do an event. Um, and so I think that was the thing that really started to get us to thinking of, you know, um, thinking differently about how we wanted to position our brand. So instead of going after customers, we really started to think about how do we build, how do we build fanship? Mm. You know, how do we build this sense of loyalty around the brand? How do we find um, more people like Katie that are, that are going to be passionate about it and just really be our cheerleaders. So there's like a really pivotal kind of switch that, that we hit, um, you know, mentally as, as to how we were thinking about and approaching and going about building our brand. Um, and so, uh, you know, so you, when you're building a brand, you're, you're, everything's on the table. So you do less of what doesn't work and you try to do more of what does work, yeah. uh, and you re up and you reinvest. Um, and so again, you know, uh, we started doing, getting really, getting really aggressive with doing a pop, doing pop-ups over those two years. Uh, we did a 45 day pop up at the epicenter mm. and uh, uh, so the epicenters uh at the time it was this kind of eclectic mix of you know bars restaurants um mostly food and beverage um as you might imagine in uptown charlotte um but there was an there was an opportunity for us to do um a 45 day pop up right so to basically to bring some retail and some apparel uh, into their portfolio. Uh, and it was kind of experimental really for them. And certainly for us, you know, again, because there's no, there was no other, you know, apparel, uh, in the epicenter at the time, we were the only ones. Um, and, but we had never done, we had never been set up for any, any event longer than, you know, 10 days. So 45 days was a long time for us, but it would give us an idea of, you know, is, is brick and mortar like a thing for us? Like, can we sustain it? Um, you know, is this going to fall flat or is this something that, that we can make work for us? And so it ended up being like very successful for us. Um, and it, again, it, you know, it, it turned on some light bulbs in our heads around, okay, like, you know, if we could find the right spot to kind of, you know, uh, basically be our flagship, be our house. Um, we think we could, we think we could pull this off. Um, even though we had been very successful, 
you know, with uh, with doing the pop ups and kind of having folks chase us all around the city yeah. um, and stuff like that. And that was a lot of fun. But the thing about it was we were always curious as to, you know, how much money we're we're leaving on the table in terms of growing our brand, because, mm. you know, sometimes people they have the, they have this last minute need. You know, it's like, hey, I'm, I'm flying to Chicago tomorrow. Like, is there any way I, is there anywhere I can go and buy your products? And if you're online only, there's you know, at that time, that was just, you know, th- there's no way you can service them um, in time. Uh, and so obviously, you know, uh, with us having the brick and mortar, we're more accessible, uh, you know, than we were when we were just doing pop up. So it's been it's been a pretty good, uh, pretty good trajectory for us. Yeah, man, I, I loved a lot of things in that story, um, especially the, the Katie example. It's so funny how like one person with a big following can just like propel the brand. Um, yeah. I mean, th- that's happened to me before with, with podcast and like having a guest that maybe has a large following and then they repost and I'm like, wait, I just got like an extra like 500 listeners. Where did this come from? I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> right. so-and-so shared it. Um, and, and so you were doing like all the pop-ups and all that while you were at, at TIA. So like real quick, how did you kind of like structure your day? So that's a big like setback yeah. for some people that are trying to grow a business outside of the eight to five. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, there's a reason why, you know, we um, focused our events and the pop-ups mostly on the weekends. Yeah. Right. Um, Because, you know, uh, when we first started doing pop-ups, you know, my business partner and chief creative, Scott, was still living in Pittsburgh at the time. Mm. Um, Jerry and I were, you know, boots on the ground here in Charlotte. Um, just trying to be the eyes and ears and hands, right, um, of the business. And, uh, you know, given our capacity, try to help, you know, help help us get to the next level in whatever way, shape or form we possibly could. Um, and so, you know, when, when, when the weekend came and I wasn't at TIA, it's like, all right, let's let's get it right. Yeah. Um, and just having that hunger to build something. Um, and have fun with my friends in the process, right? Um, mm. You can't discount that part, but it was a grind, right? Um, and it was a sacrifice, especially you know when you have a family, you have a ch- you know I have a son. Jerry's got you know kids and stuff like that, and so we are we're definitely giving up a lot of time away from our families um, to you know invest in this business. Um, and uh, you know, again, uh, sometimes it would be you know we would do events on weeknights, uh, you know, and we got to work, we got to go to work the next morning. Right. So it's, it's about how bad do you believe, or excuse me, um, you know, how, how much do you believe in what it is that you're doing? Because, uh, because it's going to take some serious sacrifices and some serious, um, you know, support in the way of the people who love and care for you in order for you to get to the next level. Yeah, hundred percent, and and I also think that's a sub bullet there of just you have to have the right people surrounded with you, like like your spouse, for example, who is just like, hey, I'm along for this ride, rather than like, nope, you're not going to this pop up shop on a Saturday, <laughs> right? So yeah, and I think I think, and that's how we all looked at it, right? Because it's like I, you know, for me, you know, I would all I, I always had an understanding that. You know, Jerry's taking time away from his wife and and, yeah. and two boys, right? Um, and so let's make sure that that we're all pushing in the same direction and that I'm giving this my absolute all, right? At all times in 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 any way, shape, or form that I can in terms of how 
you know, I'm going to help and grow, you know, help grow and scale this business. And, um, and they do the same thing, right? Like for me, it's like, okay, you know, nobody's, nobody's got any time to waste. This is, this is serious business. Um, yes, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're all best friends, but like when it comes to the business and the things that are related to the business, we're, we're about putting, you know, putting certain things to the side and just talking about, you know, what is the goals and, 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 uh, our, our personal ambitions as it relates to business stuff. So for sure. And like you said, like having fun along the way too. I love that. No doubt. Um, was there a moment that you were just like, Hey, it's, it's time to, to leave TIAA. Um, I mean, was it like a number you had in mind or was it just like, screw it, let's go. What was that kind of like? Yeah. You know, it's funny, man. I get that question, um, quite a bit. And, um, you know, I'm always honest with people, you know, I never, um, I never knew seriously whether I would have a, you know, the financial um, opportunity to step away from TIAA, uh, which was my full-time gig, yeah. right? Um, doing well uh, financially, getting promoted, loving what I do, um, you know, and the people that I work with at TIAA. Um, as you mentioned, I mean, it's a, it's a great company, great, great mission-based company, um, is it perfect? No, but what corporate entity is right. Um, and so, but I enjoyed my time at TIAA. I never thought that, that I would have the opportunity again, from a financial standpoint to, to step away from that and have 704 shop be like my, my, um, my main gig. Right. But when the pandemic hit and, you know, I had been at TIAA for 15 years um, and, you know, financial services were taking a big hit, right. As, as it related to the pandemic. I mean, you had, you had so many downward pressures. Uh, you had people that were retiring early uh, and, you know, TIAA is, pr is primarily a retirement company. So you, you've already got the baby boomers, right. Retiring that's, that's putting downward pressure on, on revenues some of them accelerated th those those retirements. So it's that that's more money kind of coming out. Then you've got all the uncertainty, you know, uh, that that's going on in the world at the time that was macro to all financial institutions. And so, you know, expense management becomes a thing. Mm. Right. And so that's where you start seeing so many layoffs and and this and that. And so TIAA um, was actually very proactive in saying, well, um, rather than us lay people off, let's be let's be more thoughtful about it and give those who, you know, who, who might be in a position to to step away from TIAA if given the right financial incentive um, to do so. Mm. And so, you know, basically, you know, they roll out the severance packages and like everybody's got a number. Yeah. And here's you know, here's what your package could look like. Um, and it's different for every person because it's based on a combination of variables in terms of like, what's your personal salary right now and how many years you've been here and all of this kind of stuff. And so it was just really, a, a it was a compelling offer, um, for me to take and to finally take a bet on myself and give myself the financial runway to see if I could make it make sense, um, stepping into 704 shop full time, given that I do have 
you know, I have financial responsibilities, as you you know, I, I, I talk about my son a lot. He's my he's my number one primary responsibility. So I'm never going to I'm never going to step into a into a, a situation that might be financially uh, jeopardizing for him and his welfare. Um, and so that, you know, as my number one thing is like, can I make this make sense? Fortunately, um, you know, with the you know, with the severance, I was able to make it make sense and and figure it out along the way with my business partners in terms of like how I was going to make it sustainable for, you know, uh, within 704 shop. The fortunate thing for us was that, you know, we had been growing 704 shop year over year over year, you know, leading up to that. So all of the work that we that we collectively had put into also provided the opportunity for me to step into, you know, a successful business. Um, so it wasn't like a it wasn't like just throwing, you know, uh, rolling the dice, right? It's like, okay, I'm stepping into a successful business. We just got to figure out how we're going to pay for it. Um, and so, uh, so that was, that was, that was the, uh, the thought process, man. It was like, you know, if I don't, if I don't take this bet, whether it works out or not, right. If it doesn't work, at least I know that it didn't work. Um, but if I never took that shot, I would have never forgiven myself you know, because it's probably, you know, maybe that's a once in a lifetime type of type of opportunity. You never know, you know, small business is volatile. You you never know how fast or how quickly your, your, you know, your business is going to grow and scale. And so I was like, listen, I'm, I'm going to take this bet on myself and, um, and see what happens. Yeah. And I mean, it, it probably, you know, 10 X cause you had way more time to dedicate to the business at the end of the day, which is huge. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think the biggest thing that I'm proud of um, and, you know, we've we've gotten so many wins, um, not because of me, um, you know, since since I've gone full time, but certainly that that I'm happy that I've played a more significant role than I know I would have been able to play um, if the opportunities had had come about at all um, for us while I was, you know, um, head down you know, focused yeah. on doing my professional stuff, right? Like for TIAA, um, just the being able to add the additional capacity to the business um, to nurture relationships, build relationships, um, you know, bring on new business uh, relationships in terms of like some of the the co-branded collaborations that we've done. You know, we've been a, we've been blessed to be able to partner with, uh, you know, with the PGA for the President's Cup when it was here in Charlotte last year. Uh, we, you know, we've been fortunate to through some of, you know, basically leveraging the social capital um, that that I bring to the table and that we bring to the table collectively, um, you know, in terms of the three owners um, to partner with Charlotte FC, you know, the uh, major league soccer team here in Charlotte uh, for, you know, the first of its kind co-branded collaboration and licensing agreement, uh, you know, within MLS. Um, so. You know, we're we're I like to say we're punching way above our weight, our, our weight class in terms of a, a small business here in Charlotte, um, in terms of us being a local brand. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about our prospects going forward as well. Dude, that so that's been the first time that's happened, the whole MLS. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So a little bit about that. Right. So, you know, typically. If you can imagine, right? So if you're if you're familiar with with major league sports, right? So NFL, NBA, uh, NHL, um, MLS, um, you know, baseball, um, 
most usually, you know, Fanatics has an, a, you know, an exclusive agreement to be the the sole online or e-commerce, you know, provider for the leagues. Um, and so, and Fanatics brings a ton, you know, of expertise into that space um, to where the teams don't have to really work. They don't have to be in the business of like selling um, online, right? Um, or really in the business of, uh, of of apparel design and manufacturing and all this stuff because fanatics is is such a juggernaut and they bring so much to the table in terms of leverage. Well, what happens though is in some cases, you know, the small businesses that might want to partner with these uh, major league sports teams, there might not be an avenue in which to do so um, except through certain programs that, that, you know, um, that might exist. Most of the time, like, you know, some, sometimes those programs are, it's more, um, project-based, right? So you might be able to do a specific collection that's one and done. It's not an ongoing kind of licensing agreement type of deal. Um, So our first, you know, kind of major, you know, um, I would say licensing agreement that we had done with with professional sports was with the PGA for the President's Cup. Um, And so, you know, because of some of those, you know, uh, relationships that the PGA already has, i.e. like with Fanatics and so on and so forth, uh, we weren't able to to sell any of the products that we made for that collaboration online. Mm. Um, we basically, the majority of those products were only available at the fan shop at, 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 the, at the President's Cup. Oh, wow. Okay. Right now, I did. We were able to successfully uh, negotiate a, a very, very limited drop that we could do um, at our storefront, um, but it was such a small quantity that it really wasn't a threat to the overall success yeah, of what share. was going to happen at the golf tournament. So they said yes, uh, but it was you know no no abilities to sell any of that online, which is a huge loss in terms of the opportunity, the retail opportunity for us, right? Um, because when you when you you know when you sell um, to the major league sports team, you're doing it at wholesale, so the margins are not the same. Hmm. Um, and so when you when you have that experience um, underneath your belt, and when the opportunity to partner with Charlotte FC came up, there were certain things that that we were av- that we were better positioned to advocate for certain things. Yeah. Right. That we're going to be good for for our business. So in addition to being able to sell the items uh, retail on our end in our storefront, it was very important for us to be able to sell um, online as well. Um, and there was no program already in place to allow us to be able to do that with within MLS. Yeah. And so this licensing agreement is the first of its kind that allows us to sell in our store uh, on our website. Um, on MLSstore.com, uh, right, the, the the Charlotte FC page, um, you know, uh, for the MLS, but also in the team store um, during the Charlotte FC games. Oh, cool. Yeah, so, awesome. it's, so it's all four um, outlets. And again, like something like that has never been done before. And I'm hoping that, you know, uh, given the success of it, that this can become a national model for other yeah. small businesses, uh, you know, in other MLS markets to partner with their local club around apparel or whatever it is that they do. Um, and, uh, and ha- but have that model, ha- you know, 
it started in Charlotte, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So is starting brand collabs like that is I assume it's just lots of conversation, lots of back and forth, lots of negotiation, right? Absolutely. You know, and you know, um, I think the thing for us is that, you know, um, we have great relationships within, you know, the organization on so many different levels. Um, and so knowing the right people, you know, kind of helped bring that forward for us, um, having the right relationships, um, but also us having the right business model Mm. around the types of products that we specifically can do uh, in our manufacturing and, and our operational capability um, that Charlotte FC was interested in, right? Because if you think about it, they don't need 704 shop to, you know, to make t-shirts. They've got, they've got all the same, they've got a, a, a strong supply chain to be able to do that. What was interesting to them as it related to us and our operational capability was our ability to do custom products. Uh, we have our own relationships with factories overseas where we can, if we can think of it, then we can design it and we can make it. We can we we can go from idea to concrete product, um, which is very unique. There aren't a lot of brands uh, just around that can do that. Most brands are sourcing blanks, right? And so the blanks are they already exist through distributors. So you're more limited in what you can do with those products. You can't change the color. You know, there's certain colors you can use. The colors are already pre-made and preset. When you go custom, now we get to choose the fabrics. We get to choose the cuts and the fits. We get to dye whatever colors we want. Um, so that's a very unique proposition uh, for Charlotte FC, con- especially considering the fact that they knew that they were going to have a new kit reveal yeah. for the community kits this year. Um, so it wasn't going to be the standard stock colors. It was going to be a completely different colorway. So we, you know, by partnering with us um, and, you know, we could play in that space in terms of being able to, uh, you know, provide products that uh, that were that were right on in terms of the colorways and the color space. Yeah, man, I've seen them and they look absolutely incredible, too. So thanks, man. Thanks, yeah. man. Shout out to my shout out to my business partner, Scott, for doing this thing, man. He yeah, always hits the front. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, cool, man. So uh, before we jump, definitely want you to talk about your, your role as the uh, uh, Charlotte Alliance Foundation Chair um, and, and just kind of how you're encompassing and giving back, because I, I, I think that's a good ender because we started with that a little bit. And, and I'd love if you yeah. can kind of round out the conversation on that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, thank, and thanks for the opportunity to be able to speak about it. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, so the Charlotte Regional Business Alliance itself um, is a 501c6 organization. It's an economic development, right? So if you think about it, it's the former Charlotte Chamber of Commerce. So, you know, when you think about what does a Chamber of Commerce do, it convenes diverse stakeholders around business opportunities and advocacy. Um, but it was it, it was the Charlotte, Re- excuse me, the uh, the Charlotte Chamber of Commerce and the Charlotte Regional Partnership, which is the 15-county region around Charlotte, on both sides of the state line. So you've got uh, counties in North Carolina and counties in, in South Carolina as well that are part of this thing we call the Charlotte Regional Business Alliance. Uh, we say that it's the voice of business for the region. Hmm. That's the 501c6. The Charlotte Regional Alliance Foundation is the 501c3 charitable organization that also, you know, that that kind of coexists alongside the alliance itself. 
And so um, I, you know, uh, this year I was uh, nominated as the uh, the chairman of the board for the foundation. Um, and our focus, you know, is 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 on two things. Really, it's about growing small businesses, right? Minority owned small businesses, as well as um, diverse business leaders um, in corporate America who are so often overlooked in terms of their talent and what they could bring to the C-suite. Um, and so, you know, we we have funding from um, the Mayor's Racial Equity Initiative here in Charlotte. Um, and so that's kind of like our seed funding. Um, we're going to use the funding for that to, um, you know, to 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 kind of hit um, on our goals. Um, we have one program that's called Scale Up CLT. Hmm. Um, it's a it's really a partnership between the Charlotte uh, Regional Business Alliance uh, Foundation, uh, a group called um, Entrepreneurs Organization uh, Accelerator here in Charlotte, uh, and the City of Charlotte also helps fund it. And it's really for diverse business owners who are between um, 250,000 in revenue up to a million. Mm. Uh, and there's curriculum that's there. Um, and we also, you know, provide them with with opportunities to build their social capital as a way to, you know, help them grow their businesses, um, you know, up to a million dollars and beyond. Right. In terms of annual revenue. Uh, so we're really proud of that program. Uh, right now we have 18 entrepreneurs that are in that program. Um, I'm an alumnus of that program, um, nice. you know, when I think it first started in 2019 and we only had myself uh, or our business, 704 Shop, and another business that was in it. So there was only two wow. businesses in it just a couple of years ago. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, and now, so I think that that's demonstration of um, the region's commitment, you know, to try to, you know, make some significant headway in terms of growth of small businesses. Obviously, there's so much more to do and we are going to do that. Because we understand uh, the value proposition of small businesses to the health and viability of any ecosystem, right? Most 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 job opportunities are with small businesses. They are huge economic drivers for any for any um, you know economy. And so, um, in order, we know that in order for us to have a healthy, uh, vibrant uh, economy, and you know, for there to be opportunity for all, you can't leave small business uh, out of the equation. And so, you know, really what I'm trying to do as chair is use my expertise uh, and my experience, right, as a small business owner, 704 shop. We're celebrating our 10-year anniversary this year, right? So being founded in 2013, here, here it is, nice. 2023, and use all of that experience and know-how around owning, operating, being involved with a small business to help, um, you know, be a subject matter expert and a great sounding board for the things that we're trying to do uh, over at the Alliance Foundation. So really excited about that uh, opportunity. And uh, like I said, a um, lot more work to do, but we're excited about it. Yeah, man. And they're all going to look up to you as an alumnus, especially going from two to 18. That's that's hilarious. <laughs> I'm sure you like went to your meetings. You're like, so uh, only one here type of thing. Right? <laughs> but uh, but yeah. now it's 18. And and I think, dude, that that really encompasses is Charlotte. Um, just I think Charlotte, like they always put their heads together and, and combine so many resources and platforms just to kind of help the whole region thrive. I mean, I've been here for I think only about four or five years, but like I've already seen it only being here for this uh, kind of short amount of time, which is great. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, the thing is, man, like, you know, you, you've you been here for, for enough time to know that the small business um, ecosystem here in Charlotte is, you know, there, there are a lot of resources around. Um, 
but they're 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 fr- this ecosystem is fragmented, right? It's yeah. like you know, um, if you don't, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. You don't know the right people. Uh, if you've got the right connection to the right people, you can end up, you know, with the right organization. But what can we do to kind of make it easier to find the resources to grow and scale your business, right? Whether that's um, advice and guidance, or if, or if it's capital, or whatever your 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 need is, we should be able to, you know, as the foundation, what we want to do is kind of be a resource hub to be able to point people uh, in the right direction in terms of growth and scale. Um, and part of that is also, you know, really trying to use the fact that, you know, as the alliance, the C6, uh, we have all these great relationships with these top kind of corporate uh, yeah. behemoth uh, organizations that are here in Charlotte. How do we um, use the, 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 the fact that we have these relationships and pair, uh, you know, pair up the opportunities to partner with small businesses, right? In terms of creating, um, you know, uh, business relationships between the small business and the corporate entities. Um, that's a huge missing piece that has not been um, structured, uh, you know, in the right way here in Charlotte. I think, you know, some of it's kind of happening here and there and, you know, maybe on a, you know, on an individual company to company, you know, type of basis uh, for, you know, for procurement goals and all this kind of stuff. But w- what we want to do is, is take, take that and actually structure it, you know, in a, in a more um, scalable way so that if you are a small business and you have the capacity to actually partner with a bank of America on something, right. Catering or cleaning or apparel or whatever the case, like how do we actually marry those two things together um, in a way that's sustainable um, so there's a lot of work to do in trying to map that out, um, you know, from a technology standpoint, but, but that's where, you know, some of our seed funding from the mayor's racial equity initiative will be going towards, you know, strengthening this, uh, this ecosystem for small business owners. Yeah, dude, I, I love that you mentioned all that. Um, and I'm sure that the audience as well is, is super happy that you're doing what you can to support a small business. Cause I think the tides turn a little bit more where people are, 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 liking small business a bit more than, than the Mohemus. Not that the Bohemus are bad. Right. But it's like, I kind of like supporting small business a little bit better than, than some random, you know, multi-billion dollar corporation, because it's like, I know if I go buy a shirt from 704, I'm going to leave and, and you're going to walk away with a smile on your face. Cause you're like, man, that's cool. Another resident supported my small business versus I go buy a so-and-so shirt off Amazon. And it's like, no, no impact was made, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, 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 listen, the, the local impact is real, you know, sure. um, that, that support allows us to, um, you know, uh, broaden the tax base for the region, right. For yeah. the city. Um, it allows us to be job creators and provide, you know, economic opportunities for our employees. Um, so it's, it's, it's not, uh, it's not lost on us, right. Like that, that, the impact that can be felt when, when folks are intentional about supporting small business. Yeah, for sure. And, and last one for you, it's a funny one, but, uh, yeah. you mentioned that you're tall. So how tall are you? I'm six foot six. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Man. How tall yeah, were man. you in high school? Were you that like awkwardly tall dude while everyone was kind of short or what? No, I mean, we, <laughs> we had, we, we had, we had some tall guys in high school. Um, I was one of the taller ones in high school. Uh, there was a guy on our on my basketball team uh, named uh, BJ. BJ was a little bit taller than me. 
Um, so BJ had to be every bit of six seven, I, I guess I'll give BJ. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think if anybody was like taller than like BJ and I. I think I think we were kind of like the go to kind of tall kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I, it it wasn't abnormal. Like everybody was like so much shorter than me, but I was definitely on the taller on the taller end. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, when I first met you, I was like, he's got to be like at least six four, and then you said, <laughs> yeah, six, yeah six, no so. doubt. That's cool, man. Uh, well, hey, where can people connect with you? Yeah, so um, you know, from the business standpoint, we're at seven oh four shop on all platforms, right? So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we don't really have a TikTok. We do have a TikTok, but we're not actively uh, on yeah. our TikTok. Um, and then, you know, for myself, you know, Chris Moxley, uh, my personal brand is at Christopreneur um, on all platforms, um, on uh, Instagram, um, Twitter, uh, TikTok, um, and then just Christopher Moxley on Facebook and, uh, and, and LinkedIn for sure. Awesome, man. Well, hey, thanks again for taking the time to hop on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. And check us out at 704shop.com, guys. Appreciate it. Well, that's it, everyone. Thanks again for taking the time to tune into this week's episode of Next Level Minds. Be sure to connect with Chris Moxley on the social media handles that he mentioned, and definitely be sure to check out 704shop. Other than that, I hope everyone has a fantastic week ahead.